What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello to all you patrons of Shea Bippy. This is Mike DeBate, and once again, the Shea Bippy Mob Pod is back. The Shea Bippy Bar is open, and we have a tremendous show for you today. Probably the most recent movie that we have have ever reviewed here on the Shea Bippy Mob Pod. Uh, As a matter of fact, I can pretty much guarantee that it's the most recent movie made. Uh, This one's still on Netflix in the theaters, and it's been getting a lot of publicity lately, a whole lot of hoopla surrounding it. And I am honored to be able to break this down today with my main green man, my co-host. He is the sunny to my Jimmy Whispers. Thomas Murphy once again joins me at the bar on the stool. Murph, welcome back to Shea Pippi, my friend. Man, it's been too long. It's been too long. Yeah, it has. You know, 
But holidays, we, we couldn't. It's tough, yep, yeah. the holidays, all that shit. You know, starting at Halloween and and getting through. We're still like digesting candy, and then all of a sudden, you know, there there it is. There's there's Thanksgiving, yep. and and now I'm sitting here wondering, am I gonna get a check before freaking <laughs> before before Christmas comes? You know, what, what's Butchie gonna have in his stocking this year? Is it coal or what? I might I might take cold. It was fucking cold this morning. But no, we're back, man. The bar is open, man. The top shelf is is you know is flowing, and we got a wonderful guest with us today. We don't do this often. We've only done this once before in in the uh, history of Shay's Bippy. But I there, there's a man that that we both care a great deal about. He's going through some terrible times here with his with <laughs> medically. <laughs> We decided to make him feel better. Don't make me laugh. Uh, That could be dangerous. So we we decided to have him in, and he 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 absolutely is is a um a disciple of of the mob movie uh, lovers uh, lack of a better word club. Yeah, thank you. He he is Steve Balistrieri, my my partner on One Patriot's Place. And when he heard that that this was going off, he showed me a, a review that he did of our movie, The Irishman, and uh, and said, Steve, come on on, come come on and talk about this. And he jumped on it. I, I thought he was going to tell me to go fuck myself, but uh, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that was coming, but no, he, he's here. And it's, Steve, thank you very much for joining us today. Hey, you know how it is, fellas. You know we're on the Shave Bippy podcast, so when you're summoned, you go. <laughs> Yo, absolutely mike, and mike and, needs to you know, see you <laughs> yeah, yeah he wants to talk to you right now <laughs> yeah i said right now yeah, yeah right now you've been, you've been sent for steve that's it. You were sent oh, for no. and you showed up and i appreciate that now does this give me because of steve's medical malady that he's going through right now does this give me the opportunity to at every chance i get to say look how they massacre my boy <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. So dead. <laughs> but no. Oh, that's he, a good one. Oh, no. Go go ahead, Mike. Kick it back off. Oh, man. Well, as Murph did allude to and I alluded to in the opening, folks, we are discussing 2019s. Yes, we're not going back in time this, this yeah. time. We are reviewing a movie that is current, 2019's The Irishman, directed by Martin Scorsese. Three hours, 29-minute runtime, folks. Yeah, this was a long one without any question. But you take a look at the cast, and it's worth, in my opinion, it was worth every second of it. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci. even have to throw in Anna Paquin, who I thought did a tremendous job. We'll get into her role, I'm sure, a little bit here on the Shape Hippie Mob Pod today. Um, Ray Romano actually surprised me a little bit in, uh, you know, in his ability to hold up with some of these cast members that are just absolute legends and screen icons. Uh, we'll start a little bit with some of the financial backing of this, because this actually had some difficulty getting made, folks. And uh, I'm not sure, Steve or Murph, if you had heard this, but Netflix financial backing of this project really had some serious side effects with its theatrical release. Some of you may have seen The Irishman in the theater, not on Netflix. That almost didn't happen. Netflix demands that the film be available on home streaming 30 days after the theatrical release. Almost all of the major cinema chains in the U.S., Europe, and many other territories were unwilling to show it. It kind of breaks the minimum 90-day theater-to-home viewing gentlemen's agreement that the cinema chains and the distributors have been working under for years. So the major chains like AMC in the U.S., Hoyt mm-hmm. in Australia, 
event in New Zealand and Audion and Cinema World in the UK did not believe that they would have sufficient time to recoup their outlay. In many countries, the film has been shown theatrically only small independent cinemas, art house chains such as Curzon in the UK. While the big chains have previously snubbed certain films for certain reasons, this probably hurt its box office potential and probably the most high profile and critically acclaimed film to which this has happened. So interesting stuff there for anyone that's seen it in the theater. There was a huge uh, undertaking and a lot of difficulty getting this one to show in the theaters. So if you did like we probably did, the three of us, Steve, I don't know if you saw this in the theater. Murph and I checked it out on Netflix, but um, ultimately, if you saw it in the theater, consider yourself um, fortunate, I guess, if you liked the movie, because there's a good chance that this almost didn't get released theatrically. No, and uh, I I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on Netflix as, as well as you guys. And uh, I was talking to a good friend of mine. He's been in the movie business for about 30 years. And I was asking him if he had seen this yet. And he was like, yeah, I seen every minute of it. I worked on it. So, <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, this, that is really cool. And he was telling me that Scorsese had, uh, their budget was pretty steep in this. And Scorsese had laid out a 90 day shooting schedule, which is pretty long for a, mm -hmm. a Hollywood film. And he said, and they actually went 20 days over. They actually filmed for 110 days on this. So I was it's like, well, filming. that explains why it's so long. And he was like, yeah, he wanted to make sure they had everything that they wanted to get into this film in there. And they weren't cutting any of it out when they did the editing. Well, my, <laughs> yeah, it, it, and they didn't. And, and they really didn't. And what I'm hearing is that, that, Nothing really hit the editing floor and was left out of this after the screenplay was written. Um, what I did hear, though, I have not read this book, is that so much was um, skipped over and released and, and just not put in just for the sake of runtime that it wasn't even filmed. A lot was left out of this movie, and, and everybody should really go read the book after you see the movie. Uh, because it is, it, it gets deeper into uh, Sheeran's, you know, his his relationships with his his daughters and with his his first wife and and everything. Because you really, it, it in typical Scorsese fashion, you don't you don't see, you know, with the, with the exception of a, of a few movies, you you don't see, you know, Casino and and Goodfellas, um, uh, Alice's Restaurant. It, 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 it's it, Alice doesn't live here and I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you don't see a lot of the women. You don't get a lot of, but, but what you did see was really, really powerful. And I really, I didn't like the, the criticism that this movie's got for the way they say Scorsese treats women. I thought Anna Paquin was amazing in this movie. And uh, I just wanted to get that off my chest, you know, to, to start the entire thing. And so was <laughs> Catherine Narducci. Uh, yes, both these absolutely. roles were, were really, really small um, lines wise, but the power that these two women put into uh, into their performances was unbelievable. Narducci, I didn't even recognize her. If, if you folks don't don't remember uh, Catherine Narducci, she's a good friend of ours from uh, from The Sopranos all those years in The Sopranos. She uh, played um, uh, uh, Carmine Bra Bucco. 
uh, Artie Bucco's wife, the, the, the restaurant owner. And, uh, but she was, she was great in this. I don't know. What were your takes on, on, on her role guys? Yeah. I mean, if I can just, uh, you know, interject and jump in here, I completely agree. And, you know, we're definitely taking a different approach to the shape it be today. And I think this is perfect because we have a guest today. So I think a round table is a great way to be able to discuss this. Normally Murph and I kind of drone through the, uh, uh the plot lines of these movies and we give our little tidbits here and there, but I think this Three type hours of movie later, because of the length, yeah, exactly. Right. Because of the length. I mean, Murph and I take sometimes two hours to break down an hour and a half movie. You guys are probably happy to hear that. So we're going to make this more about our observations and our feelings and how this right. movie really came to be and how it did uh, you know, make us feel and our opinions of it as well. But I think you make a great point, Murph, in terms of Catherine Narducci, Anna Pequin. I think these types of roles were a little bit criticized. Scorsese does undergo some difficulty when it comes to that but de niro came right up to uh, to uh, her um uh, her rescue i guess is the best way to put it stating that he believed that her role was as powerful as any in the film mm-hmm. and anna paquin has definitely defended her role in this movie she stands by it i thought she was phenomenal i thought the uh, the lack of dialogue between her and de niro spoke farther than any you could possibly imagine right. to really depict the icy relationship that Frank Sheeran had with his daughter the whole uh, time from the time that she witnessed him beating the grocer that she was working for uh, early on in her life, right up until the point where she looked dead into his eyes and knew that he was the one that was responsible for the uh, disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. And again, (coughs) factually, folks, this has not been confirmed. This is based on the memoir of Frank Sheeran, who does claim that he was the one that essentially killed Jimmy Hoffa and was responsible for his death and the removal and the disappearance of his body. Um, also the, uh, the, he also claimed that he was the, uh, the, the hit man that shot uh, crazy Joe Gallo at Umberto's clam uh, house in New York. That is depicted in the film as well. That we've all um, eaten that. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Try the field. The best in the city. No, just Try, kidding. Yep. <laughs> <It's> just a... <laughs> but um, that's, those were my impressions of the way that females were depicted in this film. Don't forget, I think a lot of what people are harping on right now is the depiction of how they should be in today's society. This is not a movie that is filmed in today's society. It's filmed in Bingo. begins, I believe in the, in the 19, I believe it begins in like the, the late forties and the early fifties and the progression through the sixties and how, uh, you know, households and how relationships were back then. I think it really was well depicted. Mm-hmm. And some of the best work that I've seen De Niro do in quite some time uh, oh, from start to finish and uh, just, his ability to be able to, uh, uh, to, to essentially carry the entire script from start to finish, because there were a lot of great, um, uh, there were a lot of great performances in this movie. But De Niro is the constant. It opens with him, it closes with him, and he's a constant presence throughout every scene in this movie. Whether he's in it physically, whether he's not, you always know that this is his story and it's it's Sheeran's story. But I think uh, um, you know De Niro was was phenomenal in this. What do you think of the women in this, Steve? Yeah, you know, uh, I agree with what you guys were saying. I would have liked to seen a little bit more of Anna Paquin, mm-hmm. just because my favorite scene with her, and I wrote about this in the review I did for uh, the one of the uh, sites that I write for. Like my favorite scene with her is when they're sitting in their living room and Hoffa disappears, and they're watching yep. it on TV. And Anna Paquin just slowly turns 
and stares daggers at her father because and That's she it. could tell by the way he was acting that he she knew the way she stared at him she was accusing and knowing that he had something to do with it and that's when she never spoke to him again i thought that was an awesome scene in the film and you know i i just wish they could have got more of her in there i don't know how they could have yep. done that but uh yeah I... I thought i i thought she was really powerful without saying a whole lot in that movie yep. you have to look at peggy shear and anna paquin as almost like jaw the shark in jaws okay you don't see her a lot you don't you know hear a lot from her and it's but you know without her without the 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 performance that she put on just with body language alone you don't have this movie this movie is not as good as it is it is not as great as it is i i have watched this film three times now and I have not stopped it to pause it once. And granted, it was, you know, each time was at midnight after the rest of the family was in bed. <laughs> but I, it, while the beginning of this movie, some people say drags, once Pacino enters the scene, um, it really blows up. It really does. I think he commands the entire movie from that point on, from his perspective, it, it, it is, it's, it's, it, it was almost like it, it flipped a switch. We, we open up with with De Niro sitting there talking to who we're not sure of. The audience. You know, the, you know, the audience, the, the biographer that's, that's writing the book, somebody. The, he's sitting there talking as an old man. And then we, we start to jump into it and we, we see what Frank Sheeran was like in the moments before he became a mobster. Um, I thought it was, you could, you can almost call this, this, this movie a road film because of the way that it opens up in his, uh, in his, um, black for lack of a better word, beloved Lincoln continental as he's taking, uh, his friend, Joey Pesci, Russell Buffalino up to Detroit. Um, and, and Frank at this point, doesn't know what he's really being brought up there for. Uh, and it moves along from there. It, it had, we, we jump back in time. They, they get into the way back machine. And at one point, since Russell doesn't let everybody, anyone smoke around him or in definitely not in his car. Uh, they, they pull over at some spot and they, they look across the, the road as the girls are outside smoking their wives are outside smoking and, and they look and they see where they met. And, and that's where, where this movie ticks off. And, and, and Frank's relationship with Russell and how that grew into his relationship with Hoffa. He was, you know, and we finally move on to, to a point where, where we find out, a term that I'd never heard of, heard before in my life. You paint houses. Did have either of you guys ever heard that before? Only in that book. Uh, actually, I can't say that. Uh, and and leave it to the Italian from Rhode Island okay. to be able to fill this in. But uh, yeah. apparently, and from what I've heard, because I've talked to some filmmakers and some people on this movie and and things that uh, that happened, and some people that I do know in journalism up here that have covered issues like this. 
Uh, paint houses is a, a colloquialism. It is a term that was used. I believe the Patriarca crime family in New England actually used that at one point uh, to uh, to to relay a message that this was a hitman. And actually, De Niro's uh, add-in about I do my own carpentry work, that refers to the cleanup as well. That comes from having to, you know, blow someone away and splatter their brains or their matter or blood all over the wall, which hence is the paint houses. The carpentry comment is about, yes, I do that, and then I clean up my mess after me. So that was, uh, you know, something that I think was, you know, def definitely was used. I mean, Scorsese does his homework in this. I don't think he would have thrown that in if it wasn't. Uh, but yeah, it is a term that I had heard uh, prior to this coming in here. And then when I heard that it was a part of the movie, I knew it would be a big part. Uh, and uh, actually, it was De Niro really fought to have this be the working title of the movie rather than The Irishman. Uh, he thought that it really summed up exactly what this movie was all about, the cloak mm -hmm. and dagger nature of the way Frank Sheeran had to live his life. Uh, it described his first encounter uh, with Jimmy Hoffa. And I think it always brought him back to the negativity and the, the, the shame he felt for having to do what he did. Uh, it was not something that Frank Sheeran wanted to do. I think De Niro depicted that perfectly. The relationship between these two characters really evolved into something that I don't think Sheeran realized it was going to. And I don't think uh, Hoffa realized it was going to either. So there's a lot of speculation as to what, how much veracity is in this movie, how much true to life it is. But according to the memoir, it really is very close to that memoir. So you have to suspend reality, folks. If you don't believe the memoir, take a look at the movie the way it is. It does. It, it folds right into that. Yeah. Uh, look at it as a film. Don't look at it necessarily as an accurate or a documentary-like depiction of what happened. This is a telling of the memoir of Frank Sheeran, and then you can make your own determination as to whether or not you believe that memoir. Right. When and after after he had met Pesci, a little later on, he he ends up meeting a, a, a guy named Skinny Razor. Just, just you know, a, a, a mid-level guy, and we all know that in in the trucking business. And, and it, it kind of goes hand in hand with organized crime. You've, you've seen it and you've heard it forever. You know, where'd you get that? Oh, it fell off the back of a truck. Um, <laughs> and it really did. This is this is it. You know, I mean, at being a former truck driver, you you you're you're put in these situations, and you know, it's 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 sometimes it's a little too tempting to 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 you know. To say no to, and with with Frank, it really was. He he, he found a way to earn some money through Skinny Razor, played by uh, Bobby Cannell. Cannaval, God, why did it's terrible, terrible. Um, don't be dyslexic, people. Just don't do it. Um, <laughs> and, and that's where he starts getting into because Frank hauls meat. Okay, and now I I've never you know been a guy who hauled meat. I've hauled a lot of things, but never meat. But I can understand why some restaurants would have you make an extra stop here and there. And that was kind of his um, introduction into uh, the darker side of Philadelphia, into, you know, how things are done. You know, this is an Irish guy hanging out with a bunch of Italian guys afterwards in, in, a, in a bar and grill. And Skinny tells, you know. Yeah, we'll talk. I you you can get me steaks. Yeah, I can get you steaks at better prices, and that that kind of leads into everything. And of course, sooner or later, you always get caught. And he ends up <clears throat> meeting Bill Buffalino, Russell's cousin, who happens to be a mob lawyer. Shock and amazement. 
and he gets him <laughs> off. <laughs> Another fabulous performance, and we talked about it offline a little bit. What did you guys think of Ray Romano and what he brought to this film? I thought he stood up fantastically. I did as well. I mean, I was very impressed. Look, I actually was a huge fan of Everybody Loves Raymond. I think Italian oh, yeah. families can relate to things like that. Uh, it has <laughs> a lot of similarities with Italian families, and, and you know that. And I think that uh, I was always impressed by the work that he did in that. Uh, maybe a little bit impressed more by his supporting cast, but when you take a look at the fact that he was intricately involved in writing most of that, it doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, it really doesn't stray too far from the formula. I thought for a dramatic role, a role that didn't call upon for him to be uh, a comedic lead or anything of that nature, you automatically roll your eyes a little bit. You take a look at it and you say, well, who knows if he's really going to fit into the role. I thought he did a very nice job. I thought because he's a comedian, I thought he was able to pull off some lines pretty well that most actors may not have been able to do. Uh, for example, his first encounter with Frank Sheeran, with De Niro, where he's saying, I really don't care whether you did it or not. And he's looking right. at him with a comedic <laughs> look. And, and you got to, and you, you have to credit De Niro as well. Uh, there was a great back and forth, great eye mm -hmm. contact. A lot of, I think, uh, one of the things that I don't think is talked about enough in this film is the nonverbal communication between the actors, the synergy that they get. That is so typical of a Scorsese film uh, that really, I don't think a lot of people really cater to. But Looking this film is glance. definitely... Yeah, no shortage of that. You know? Exactly. Right. No shortage of that in this film. It definitely lives up to some of the great Scorsese classics, a couple of them that we've uh, uh, broken down here on Shea Bippy. But uh, I, I like Romano in this. I thought he held up well. I thought he gave a great performance. And I thought he was believable as an attorney. And it's tough when you see somebody that's only noted for his comedic prowess pulled yep. up in a movie that does have Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci. It's a little intimidating, but I think he did a nice job. I, did, I think he did a fantastic job, as did everybody. Steve, you still around? Yep, I'm still here. <laughs> we start yeah, going I off thought, on a tangent, know, we forget the guy who joined us at the bar. No, in fact, um, you know, when you're talking about Ray Romano, I didn't recognize him at first until I heard his voice, and then it, All right. it, it immediately clicked. And I, I was I was very intrigued by his casting in this, and I as Mike said, I thought he did a great job as mm -hmm. the lawyer is very believable. And uh, I love that scene that Mike was talking about where he asked an era, so are you going to name names if they ask you? No. And he's like, okay. <laughs> you know? There you go. And, and yeah, we got the, nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah no, and, that's, and that's, we're, we're and that's good when then. Ray, that's when Bill, Ray Ron or Bill Buffalino knew that this was a stand-up guy and right. somebody that he could end up introducing to his cousin and not knowing that he was reintroducing to him and uh, okay. it was it was almost like a it was almost like a job interview yeah you yeah. know yeah it was really almost like a job interview but, but let's let's get to the to the the elephant in the room the thing that everybody has complained has complained about and that was the de-aging uh what did you guys think what my, what did you think no start steve he's steve's the guest we'll, we'll steve is the guest talk. steve goes first steve yeah. is the guest. well i mean so, you know I, I i thought that scorsese didn't make a big deal out of it out of it uh -huh. you know what i mean he didn't overplay it i mean he just put it out there and you know um so that that's the part that you know that i i liked about it okay that was there but they didn't make a big deal of it. They didn't try to make it look like too much, um, you know, one way or the other. I, you know, 
there was the one scene where it kind of gave him away where De Niro's climbing over and around those rocks on the shore after oh, he ditches yeah. the guns. And yep. you could tell he's not a young man anymore. Exactly. And, uh, but somebody, somebody airbrush out that cane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, There's after the film where they had the, uh, with the interview with all of the main actors and the one guy we forgot to mention was Harvey Keitalos in this. As yeah. Well. We're getting to it. We'll yeah. But, um, um, you know, they, they mentioned in the interview afterwards that they didn't notice it until when they were watching the film back that De Niro got out of the chair in one of the scenes in his living room, like somebody would in his seventies, not somebody who in their early forties. So, right. You know, they had a unless you're had unless a, you're one of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, as a matter of fact, I have a tidbit on that, Steve. I'm so glad that you uh, you oh, did that. Tidbits, anyone, who, anyone who listens to Shay Vippy knows that I love my tidbits. Murph That's loves it. them, so I always make sure to dig some up for you. And I still have a couple under my sleeve, so I'm there's not going to. Uh, no, people don't know. There's a Chinese joint next to the next to the Bippy, and 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 Mike goes over and he gets his order of tidbits and he brings it back and he shares it with everybody. Go ahead. Buddy. That's <laughs> right. Absolutely. Oh, of course. Yeah, definitely. I'm all I'm all about we're all about sharing here on Shea Bippy. Yeah. But uh, that uh, that uh, comment that you made, Steve, about uh, De Niro getting up out of the chair, uh, that actually happened to he and it happened to Al Pacino as well. And I remember Scorsese giving an interview very recently and reading it, not seeing it, but uh, reading that uh, Scorsese would have told Pacino and say, Al, you need to you need to shoot that again. Don't forget, you're not 79. You're 49 in this scene. And Pacino kind of slumped and went, oh, God. And he says, all right, I'll get in the, in the chair. Got up off the, either the chair or the couch. And he got up off the couch, and he shot it, and Scorsese did. And he says, that's good. He says, we can use that. And Pacino looked dead at him, and he says, good, because 62 is all I can do. <laughs> or 62 is Brilliant. the best I can do. So, you know, it does. It gives you that uh, information. And obviously, we're talking about the de-aging. The de-aging definitely done by ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, who is really the originating company of CGI effects. All the CGI effects that you see in film are really devised, I think, and really came from ILM and the think tank that they've put together over there. Uh, Pacino uh, gave a little bit of an interview recently that I also read in this in preparation for our breakdown of this film and said that there would be computers right there on the camera side during production. They were tracking, they were following the cast, and they were looking to get their mannerisms down to be able to de-age in terms of what would be realistic for their movements, their mannerisms. Mm -hmm. Some of it worked. Yeah, there was some that didn't. I think there's, you know, obvious. I think the the beating scene where he, where uh, um, Frank Sheeran goes in. He went in down to the grocery. Yeah. Teaches a lesson to the grocery store owner who employed his daughter Peggy, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, De Niro looked a little stiff in that, and a lot of people are, are criticizing it, and I think it may have taken away a little bit from the poignant part of that movie, but. I don't think it was nearly worthy of a lot of the criticism it's getting. I think people are harping on that because it's just something that needs to be done. You need to harp on a three and a half hour movie that's getting a right. lot of uh, critical acclaim. You want to be the one to kind of interject that a little bit and it caught steam. And yeah, you can absolutely see the problems there, but ultimately I, I, I wasn't as affected by the ILM and the de-aging as a lot of people were. Some people were saying it made the film unwatchable, and I just can't understand that. I can't wrap my mind around that. No. I was lost in the acting, not the, uh, the special effects. But I'll open it up to you guys. What did you feel when you saw some of the de-aging? Did it ruin or change the way you saw this film? 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. First, Steve. Okay. Uh, no, it didn't, it didn't affect it for me at all. I mean, I was aware of it because... Uh, like you said, there was a couple of scenes where you could kind of see that they didn't quite hit it the way they wanted to. But I mean, like, like you said, I, I was there to watch the characters and see the, the acting. And I, I, you know, and I, I, I think that again, Scorsese didn't bring a lot of attention to it. He wasn't trying to push the fact that, Oh yeah, they're a lot younger here. He just kind of let it play. And mm-hmm. I thought that's why it worked. I think if he made a big deal of it and they tried to overplay it, then that's when they would have lost me. And, uh, but you know, I, I thought it was, you know, it, it was good because not only did they de-age them, then at the end of the movie, they aged them even farther than they are now. And, uh, right. I thought that was really cool. But mm-hmm. the biggest thing with De Niro anyway is, is the, uh, what I think is, you know, is the facial expressions and I, you know, the quiet just looks. And I, I love that about him. I think that's when he's at his best, you know, because he always, when he's playing that kind of a guy where Mm -hmm. he doesn't allow anybody in, you're not allowed to know what he's thinking at any given time, you know, in the audience, you're given that little subtle, maybe hint, by a look or a glance, that's what's going to happen. And I go back to Goodfellas, you know, where De Niro's smoking in the bar and he's he's staring yep. at Maury, who's been shooting his mouth off after the, you know, the big heist. And he takes a drag from his cigarette and you see that little glance for mm-hmm. a second. And Henry Hill sees it. And Henry's like, just like that, I knew Jimmy was going to whack Maury. That's how mm-hmm. it happens. That's how fast it takes for a guy to get whacked. And that's, you know, there was a ton of those little scenes like this 
in this movie, and I didn't think the CGI took anything away from that. Neither do I. I, I, I thought it was brilliantly done. Like we, we, we talked about the scene climbing over the rocks. We talked about the scene at the grocery store. I would have really liked to have seen that, that scene shot differently and maybe just seen it from uh, the camera looking at Peggy and her uh, reaction to what was going on as opposed to De Niro trying to give a guy a beat down at the age of 72. That was really <laughs> awkward. And other than that, I didn't even, you, I didn't even think of the, um, the climbing over the rocks until you guys had mentioned it like a week or so ago. And then I noticed it the third time that I watched the film, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. There, there was a cane there some at some <laughs> point in time. Cause I know I would have needed a cane to get over those rocks. Um, Another that I want that I wanted to talk about today that I wanted to, to hit on was was the fact that that um this I'm trying to re re grab my notes is um is probably the first time that these guys have all worked together. Uh, were you guys surprised that that it took this long for these guys to get together and do a movie? Steve, you first. Okay. Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, that's what, as I told Murph, I, I said, uh, this was to me, this is like, you know, uh, it was a masterpiece for the old lions of, of mob films. And, you know, the band had the last waltz and this is kind of the last waltz for these guys. I mean, you know, they were such powerful actors in so many mob type films and to see them all together for one more time, I thought it was outstanding. And I only a guy like Scorsese can probably pull all these guys into the room at the same time. I loved it. I mean, that's, you know, when you saw De Niro, Pecci, you know, Al Pacino, uh, Harvey Keitel and Martin Scorsese all in the same room, count me in. Right. I'm going to watch it. So I loved it. Yeah, to me, I think one of the things that I that really resonated with me while I was watching this for the second time, the first time I watched it, I was so engrossed in the acting and the plot line that you saw that you don't even really start to think about the fact that this may be the last time all of these guys are going to be in the same room together acting on the same project. And I thought it really fit in very well for the ending of the movie. And we'll get into that in a little bit, I'm sure. But it was really sort of like a final type nod to this mob genre that Scorsese, De Niro, Pesci, Pacino, all of the actors that were in this and the director, obviously, and Keitel as well, uh, were such a big part of the boom of the mob movie genre. It almost gave it that impression, especially with the end of this film, the way it was shot, the way it was uh, portrayed on screen. Oh. As Beautiful. a as a final type thought of you know the curtain goes down exactly oh. don't buy into the hype of this mob movie genre this you know the, the mafia life because ultimately this is how it ends for you it's very yep. lonely you're left with your memories you're left with your thoughts uh, you're left with a lot of guilt and maybe even some remorse of the fact that you had to kill people that were close to you and it's really it's a very hard bitter pill to swallow whereas i think in movies like casino maybe even goodfellas the godfather yep. there was sort of like that romantic quality to being a mobster and being you know that type of, of lifestyle that you lead i think this movie gave it that epitaph that said it doesn't always have to end in death and ruin for you in order for it to be a miserable ending for you but whereas, you end alone you know oh god but you end alone exactly that's that's so, my 
that yep. that leads into the final point I wanted to to talk to you guys about, and and it, we're going to talk about other things, guys, because I know Mike has six pages worth of of notes because he's always so well prepared for this stuff. But <laughs> what what Scorsese has has usually, you know, his his biggest detractors were the fact that that they they consider his films as mob recruitment movies, and you know they, that they, it glamorizes this lifestyle so much. What I loved about this movie was the fact that each and every time that you were introduced to a character, it flashed on the screen how they died. Yeah. Um, I thought that was fantastic. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, what did each of you think of, of this little twist that Scorsese did that nobody has ever seen in a movie before? I've never seen this done in a movie before. Have either of you? Well, you know, uh, that's... Um ties into what you guys were just talking about. I mean, uh, you know, uh, mob stories don't have happy endings. I mean, you go to the end of Goodfellas and, you know, everyone either dead or in jail. Yep. And they, you know, uh, this is, you know, the and freeze frame. Yeah, the yep. freeze frame. Joey so-and-so killed in his driveway with eight bullets in his head. Mm. You know, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they talk about this. And that was... That ties into everything because Sheeran at the end now he doesn't die violently, but he's he's sad. He sits right. alone with no visitors in the old age home, and he didn't even realize it was Christmas until the nurse tells him, and nobody comes to visit him. And, yeah, exactly. You know, that's yep. his ending, and yep. uh, you know that that I thought was really powerful. One of the things, actually, Steve, as you were talking, and believe it or not, it's kind of, you know, it came out organically, but it sort of reminds me a little bit, if you think about it, of the ending of The Godfather Part 3, which I know yeah. is aligned, and I know a lot of people hate it, but if you take a look at the end scene, this is a guy that's lost his daughter, both characters. One lost their daughter because they weren't able to develop a relationship with them. They lost her because of trust, and she just did not speak to him anymore. One lost his daughter violently, obviously. Uh, in uh, the case of Michael Corleone, his daughter was killed right before his eyes. And they're sitting alone, and all of a sudden you see, uh, of course, in The Godfather 3, you see the character keel over and die. You don't see that in this movie, but it's implied where he says, leave the door open. I don't like that. I don't like the door closed. It almost provides that type of finality like please don't close the door on me just yet because even though i really don't have much to live for i'm still not ready to close my eyes and die yet and i think there is some uh, uh you know uh, back and forth to that am i way off base here gentlemen or do you think there nope. is maybe that's a little bit of, of symbolism to be drawn in here that's no, how exactly how i took that yeah. yeah i i i took it as as him knowing that he's alone but with the door open, feeling that that he's not that there's still you know there's still something that he he's not alone. But no, I, I you yeah. guys just switched my you know thinking on it maybe a little bit. No, that's fantastic. Yeah, Mike, take take it over. I know you got a bunch of stuff you want to get into. <laughs> no, actually, I, I really I kind of went light on the tidbits for this one because I thought organic reaction, especially to a current movie, was going to be mm -hmm. the best way to break this one down. Uh, I will uh, I will make you smile a little bit and make you laugh, uh, uh, Murph. I uh, I did my due diligence and I've got a fuck count for you, everybody. The word fuck and all its <laughs> permutations of it, 136 <laughs> times in this movie, folks. Not as bad as some of the other Scorsese's. I actually went and did some tally some research uh goodfellas uses it 300 times casino 422 the departed 237 but the king of the scorsese <laughs> movies the wolf of war street 
569 uses of the word fuck. Unbelievable. Uh, but this movie definitely on the uh, uh, it's on the shallow end of uh, of the language, folks. And I think that's probably the audience of the movie. I think that's probably the tone and the uh, the age of the actors. So yep. And this one has Joe Pesci. We know that Joe Pesci for Goodfellas. I think Joe Pesci was responsible for what uh, what was Goodfellas three hundred. Seventy percent. Joe Pesci was. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think definitely seventy percent were used by him. But uh, it's uh, it, yeah. So that is a tidbit that I can uh, that I can drop in there as well. Joe Pesci is a guy that we haven't talked about a whole lot just yet. And I think one of the more powerful, if not the most powerful performance in the movie was delivered by Pesci, who is used to being this bombastic, loud, um, maybe even comical character uh, at times in movies, sort of taking over the screen by doing it. I thought Mm -hmm. one of the more understated performances of his career, and really I think one of the more powerful ones of his career. And do you know he actually turned down, Martin Scorsese estimates, he turned him down about 50 times before he actually agreed to take on this role to come out of retirement for it. Uh, I think it was a much better movie for him being in this, and I think it definitely uh, added that next level uh, that I really can't see anybody else taking on the role of Russell Buffalino now when I watch this other than Joe Pesci. Oh, I agree. I, I agree. Uh, he, Joe Pesci is 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 a a jewel of acting and this this genre to um to to all of us and 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 he literally did. He came out of retirement to uh, to come and do this. I don't think we'll see Pesci in another film ever again. Do you guys? Yeah, I don't think I think he's done. I think this was a swan song. Yeah, I don't think he's coming out either. But I, I agree with what Mike said. I, you know, I wrote the same thing, Mike. You know, he's usually a mercurial and bombastic character in like Goodfellas and Casino, but this character was totally different. He's like a very quiet, very composed guy. He n- never gets flustered. He never has a hair out of place. He's always in control. That's totally different for him. And in, in the interviews afterwards, he mentioned, you know, he he wanted to play, um, <laughs> what's his name, the guy that gets killed in the clam joint outside the restaurant, because that's oh, more he, of his character. He wanted to play Crazy Joe. Yeah, yeah. he wanted to play Crazy Joe. <laughs> but, uh, but I thought he was outstanding in this because mm-hmm. you know, and the way he, he same thing with De Niro. You know, it's it's more about what they're saying without saying any lines. It's the looks. And I thought they shared some great moments on the screen, you know, and uh, I, I just I thought I thought this was Pesci's best role. I, I really do. I think, you know, wow. uh, I I thought he was really, really excellent in this, you know, just the whole the, the way he portrayed, you know, Buffalino. It's just I thought it was completely believable. Yeah. And you know what the uh I love some of the lines in this, you know, and uh when they're talking about you know, it's almost comedy, you know. Oh, they told the old man to tell me to tell you. That's what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, some people are saying not me, but some people are saying, yeah. you know, I don't <laughs> feel this way, but some people yeah. feel this way. They they yeah. you're just a little little how should I say it? Un, um, uh, ungrateful. 
is that yeah. the word they used? I've seen the movie three times, and I figured, you know, it, 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 it's, it, it was. It, it was a fantastic film. It was fantastically shot. Um, I think there are going to be Oscar nods all over the place for it this movie. And, and there really should be. Um, that's why it was, it was released the way it was, because they wanted to be able to, uh, to, it to be eligible to, to, for the Oscars. I think De Niro is going to end up getting, um, a best actor nod, Pacino for, for supporting Pesci, even Ray Romano and Anna Paquin is going to get you watch. She's going to get an Oscar nod for what she did in this movie. I can't stop talking about how good she was in it. She was, she was absolutely phenomenal. And again, I think, you know, to open the show, we talked about the power of that role in being a silent role. One of the things that struck me about the role that she played and how she played it is it was almost like Frank Sheeran's conscience. You know, your conscience is not always loud. It's not always overt. It's not always something that you hear or something tangible that you can see. It's that voice that speaks to you from the back of your mind that sometimes rears its ugly head in the least you know, possible place. And you saw that throughout the film. You saw it the way Robert De Niro's, uh, you know, character, obviously Robert De Niro playing Frank Sheeran, looked at his daughter. And even, I think, just a small scene that a lot of people may not pick up on. I know we all did. Uh, but that was the scene where he was getting ready to go out on a hit. And he looked at his daughter standing at the top of the stairs and he just says, I got to go to work. And he left. It was almost like that every time he needed a reminder of what he was doing and what he was doing was wrong. His daughter was there to remind him of that, whether she was physically present with him in the room or whether it was just her presence. And that image of her, her stare staring at him, I think always haunted Frank Sheeran. And it looks like it, that's the same thing that happened in real life as well. If you read the memoir, you'll see uh, the deep regret that he has of not being a better man in his daughter's eyes, really all the people in his life, the women in his life, but especially his daughter, he really goes out of his way to say that. Uh, and I think a lot of it is because she could see him for what he was. And she was maybe yep. the one person in life that she couldn't, that he couldn't really bullshit or you know right. pull the wool over her it, eyes right she saw it she saw it and i think paquin played it perfectly right the 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 scene where where sheeran walks into the kitchen and hands his wife a a stack of cash and says you know i hit the number um take care of it. and and you could just see it in his daughter's eyes she knew she knew what was going on there, there's right. no numbers to be hit um th th this is a girl that that grew up quite fast um the, she never wore rose colored glasses and she she didn't just see her father as a as a mobster or a gangster like she saw his friends she i, th I think she kind of saw him as a loser i really do uh, that that just my thought it wasn't just hatred it was it was <sighs> she didn't see him doing anything for humanity all right, right. unlike Unlike what she saw out unlike of Jimmy. Um, Hoffa, uh, yeah. unlike Hoffa, right. who was out there helping people and doing it, and you could see that the look in her eyes change when she would talk about him or be with him, and uh, and that that was just never there with with Sheeran himself, and uh, they, it is just a beautiful film. We haven't talked about Harvey Keitel at all. Um, I know. What did you guys yep. think of, of? You know, let's 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 talk a little Harvey. We we. He he was again a quiet character, but a strong and brilliant character that that Keitel pulled off brilliantly. What did you guys think, Steve? What was your well, uh, opinion of uh, Keitel yeah. first? You know, yeah, I, I was, I was first. I, 
I was disappointed a little bit because I want to see more of him because I love Harvey Keitel. I think he's right. one of those. He he plays a great mobster. And in fact, uh, like I go back, you know, Mr. Mean Wolf Street. and Pulp, you know, and Mean Street. But I, Mr. Wolf in Pulp Fiction, I think, is you know, mm-hmm. is that's like the quintessential Harvey Keitel character. Yeah, and you know, I got the feeling that he was that kind of guy. You know, as uh, as his character was in this, I I just thought, you know, I wanted to see more of him, and obviously, you know, it's going to be tough. But you know, Angelo Bruno was the head of the Philly mob, so I thought they were going to tie more into him, mm-hmm. and uh, I I would have liked to seen more of him. But you know, he he's another one. You know, and he can do more with the look than some young actor can do with 15 lines. And that's the difference between these guys and some of the young actors that you see today. Yeah, I think, Steve, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think it was perfect casting on Scorsese's part. I've read a little bit back and forth. Well, oh, they hired Harvey Keitel to play a a two-bit role that anybody could play. No, not anybody could play that role. You needed the command of an actor on screen that could be believable as a, a head of a mafia family that now, it's not always seen, is not always out there in, in the glamour, but always lurks behind the surface. And his presence is something that pre, that predates him, essentially. The complete opposite of, of Crazy Joe Gallo. You know? Absolutely. Right. He's, he's quiet. He's got that same command. And I mm-hmm. think Kaitel is the perfect guy to be able to play that. Someone you don't always see, someone you don't always hear about, but he's always there. And his presence whether he's in the room or whether he's not is always felt. And I think a guy like Harvey Keitel was the perfect guy to play him. Right. right. Cause that screen presence, when he's in the shot, even though he's not saying anything, your eyes are automatically drawn to watching his expression because you're expecting everything to revolve around him. Mm-hmm. And that's, it, it that's, goes... that's when you have true presence on the screen. You know, it goes back to, to, um, you know, the, the film that, our our podcast is is named after and and you were asked you know would you rather be feared or respected and you know a guy like Skinny Razor was feared not respected a guy like a guy like Cattell was was a man of of deep respect you you knew what was going to happen Angelo you you know Angelo Bruno was always Angelo Bruno he was born Angelo Bruno and that's the way it was and 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 it, it, it's amazing how Scorsese took all of these real life people and and put them in a position where you as an audience were going to to feel who exactly they were and I think he he really did it with this movie it, it, it's okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's his magnum opus, I think. Yeah. One of the one of the criticisms that that I keep hearing about this movie is is the time is how long it ran. Um but you talk to people like the two of you, like myself, and all we want to do is see more of the people that we had. It, it, the right. right time didn't matter. We wanted more. We really wanted more. You wanted to see more of Ray Romano. You wanted to see more of Anna Paquin. You wanted to see more of Harvey Keitel. This is almost a people are talking that this is a movie that, you know, was an hour and a half too long. I think this is a movie that that could have been a miniseries and and been, you know, a, a three film freaking epic, in the way that the Lord of the Rings was, <laughs> and they could have called it that too because you know there's only one Irishman on the planet that has that ring, and that's that you know you can you can um, debate what Ed Sheeran did or what he didn't do, but he was only the the third man in the world that had one of those rings, and he was the only Irishman that did. You're absolutely right. That's such a great point. And I think it lends me into, I think, the, really the thrust of what this movie is and twofold. And I'm, I'm so glad that you made that point. The first is that I've wanted, the point that I've wanted to make is that I think lost in all of this is the fact that these are historical characters that are being portrayed on film. These are actual human beings that existed in life. It's not a screenplay. Uh, right. You know, it's not, all right, obviously Goodfellas was based on, uh, on, on real life as well, but these are, and one of them was very high profile, and that is Jimmy Hoffa. Obviously, you let, you ask people around, and Frank Sharon, Buffalino, uh, you know, probably Angelo Bruno was a little bit more, uh, Tony Pro, I think, was known by people, but Pretty much everybody on the planet knows the name Jimmy Hoffa. And I think that larger-than-life persona that Hoffa portrayed was very well portrayed by Al Pacino. I think a lot of people are saying, oh, he Pacinoed it. I don't necessarily believe that. I think Pacino's right. screen presence naturally lends to the fact that you see Al Pacino in this role. But I think he actually did capture the, uh, the essence of Jimmy Hoffa very well. So that's point one. The second point was the historical intercut. Uh, with the way you saw these historical, uh, you know, figures and, and a lot of historical events being intercut within this movie. For example, a very small 
uh, nod to a film that uh, that I happen to love, not necessarily agree with, but that I think the film is very good, was Oliver Stone's JFK. And Joe Pesci gives him a little assignment, meaning Frank Sheeran, saying, you got to go see a fairy, excuse me, a fairy named Ferry. And <laughs> yeah. it's a nod to David Ferry. That's a character that uh, that uh, that Joe Pesci actually played in JFK. Right. He yeah, played that... David Ferry. And there's a lot of people that'll tell you that he had some role in the JFK assassination and the Bay of Pigs invasion, which ultimately was the delivery that Sheeran was making. Now, a lot of that is literary and historical mingling, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, factually, you know, was it, is it factually historical? I leave it to everyone else to make their judgment on that. I'm not going to give my opinion or tip my hand either way, but I thought that the way they wove a lot of what happened historically into this movie lent itself very well into the screenplay. I was impressed by the way they did it. Yeah. It, it it was it was really amazing to fat Tony Salerno to you know everybody in it. These were real people that that when when you put them out there on film, it's it's going to be criticized as to whether or not that portrayal or or how they were portrayed lives up to what they were in real life. And I think that you know Scorsese did a fantastic job in showing these people, showing the world what these people actually were from you know the the main characters right on down to Chucky, you know, just the poor simp that, you know, is, is brought in and, you know, he, he's adopted into the, fa into, into the family and he ends up, you know, driving his step, his, his, um, his, what was it? Not adopted father, his foster father, um, to his own death. And, and, and it, it, it's, this is just a brilliant film. And it's going to go down as, as as one of the best. I put it right up there with anything that that he's ever done, and it is definitely one of my top five Scorsese movies of all time. How do you guys both feel as it's ranked with every with the greats that Scorsese has done? I think it it's it stands on its own. I, I love the fact that you know it had it has it all. I I think you know you know obviously it's it's about crime it's about the mafia it's about politics it's about history as mike was saying i mean you go into washington and the kennedy election the bay of pigs you know right. later the the assassination when they're all watching it in the the diner on television where they're watching it all unfold and then watergate you know the guy that uh that de niro is supposed to go see yeah, to bring the, the, the bay of pigs stuff yeah, you know he's looking for the guy on. with the big ears <laughs> And they yep. go, oh, I have my ears pinned back, you know. And then he, he ends up, he's watching them on TV with Watergate. So it was like, I love that. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're talking about real people, like you guys said. You know, they really existed. You know, granted, it's it's a production. They, you know, we don't know if they said any of the things that they claim they said, but uh, we know they they existed. They were there, and they actually had a role in, in a lot of these, you know, big events that happened in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, without question. And I think that's a great point, Steve, uh, you know, weaving that in and being able to capture it like Martin Scorsese did, not just from a filmmaking perspective, but also making it as historically accurate as he possibly could. And that, I think, leads me into my final question, and then I'll open it up for you guys to make your final points as well. So that way we don't uh, weigh too much down here with the Shape of Imam Bar. But uh, 
In terms of the running time, and Murphy alluded to this earlier, and it's a point that I wanted to make earlier, and I'm glad that I caught it before we adjourn for the day, but uh, the the runtime is three hours, 29 minutes. And you did mention people are talking about this movie is running three hours too, you know, running an hour and a half too long or whatever. I think a lot of that is the product of the fact that, first of all, we're dealing with the culture of binge watching. And I think a lot of that is... You know, you want that immediacy uh, of of the uh, the information to move on. I think splitting this up into a mini series might have maybe appealed to more of the masses, but I think it would have ruined the concept of the film. I think the continuous yep. okay. storytelling is really what makes this movie work. Uh, when you took a look at that and you take a look at the legacy of this film and what it's going to mean in the pantheon of uh, of um, Scorsese films, which I do agree with both of you. I think it stands on its own, and I think it also holds up in the face of a lot of what Martin Scorsese has done. In fact, pretty much anything that he's done, I think it holds up with. Um, where do you look at it in terms of, you know, the runtime and uh, what impact it can have on this society right now? Not just people that are familiar with Scorsese's work or are watching this nostalgically. People that are watching this going forward, maybe for the first time, or seeing a Scorsese film for the first time. I didn't think it, the running time bothered me a bit. I mean, um, I had heard of, you know, that it was three and a half hours. And, uh, you know, when we sat down and watched it with my family, we would zip right through it. And I was like, wow, you know, I couldn't believe it was over because I was still into it. So, uh, yeah, you know, I didn't, I, it didn't bother me a bit. I, I, I mean, I could have watched another three hours of it because, I, I love the story and the characters that the way they were portrayed. And like I said, I, I wanted to see more of uh, a couple of the other characters. I, I could have went another three hours easy. I agree. I could have gone another three hours and like, like, you know, the old saying goes, you know, you step away from the table a little hungry and, um, and that's what Scorsese did here. He made you want to know more about these characters and and that that just goes to his his brilliance and his his greatness he gave you just enough to live on you know just enough so so we need him but not so much that you know you you want to go out on your own it, it, it was a fantastic movie um i don't know how anybody can cut this this film up it, it is being cut up by by some critics that are just you know I don't know, off their rocker. I think it's brilliant. I've seen it three times. I'll watch it three times more. Um, it, without a doubt, uh, it, it, it is. It, it's 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 one of my favorites. It's right up there with Goodfellas. It's right up there with Raging Bull. This is this is fantastic. And if this is the capper to one of the greatest careers in, in American movie history. And we're talking about Scorsese here. I, I, I don't understand how he could top this. I really don't. It was, it was, it was that good. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that in, in, the, in that respect, I think this, uh, this film for for whatever reason i think is going to stand the test of time and mm -hmm. i think it will because of the brilliance of a guy like martin scorsese telling the story it will because of the brilliance of the actors and the cast that it has but i think the story resonates and again it takes me back to my earlier point of this being a perfect epitaph for 
the mob movie genre in terms of, and really, I think, you know, mafia life being glamorized in in general, it kind of brings you back to that. And I think Scorsese's films have always alluded to it. They've done it in Goodfellas and Casino, where there aren't happy endings to these movies. But this one really had a lonely ending. And I think it was a different perspective and different, uh, you know, uh, look at, uh, at mafia life than you usually see in some of these movies. So I thought it was brilliant. It was a nice departure. But I think Scorsese told the uh, the story equally as well as he has in previous films. Fantastic, man. What a great Yeah, story. and, you know, uh, for me, I mean, I thought he amassed the best actors that, you know, you've seen in mob films from his generation. And he gave them what I called, you know, to Murph, I told you, but the last waltz on the big screen. Because yeah. unlike the characters that they're portraying, these guys can grow old and age, you know, like the fine wine. And yep. I believe this is their tour de force. I mean, it's a fitting end to their careers for guys like, you know, De Niro, Pecci, Pacino, Scorsese. You know, um, <clears throat> it's a fitting end to their career as a, you know, the film tough guy mobsters. Yep. And, you know, people are going to compare this to Scorsese's other films, Mean Streets. Goodfellas Casino, and I think it's different than all of those, but I think yep. it stand like I said, it, it's just as powerful. It's expertly done. I just loved it. I I can't wait to watch this again. I want to sit down and watch it again because I think it's worth it. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, it's worth it. One of his best. I think we we've all loved it, and we love this time that we spent with you folks. We put a bow on this one, bud. You know, let's 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 take it out. Let's let's close the bar. Absolutely, and again, thank you so much to Steve Balistrieri for joining us, lending his wisdom and counsel on this movie. I think this was the perfect <laughs> movie to bring in a guest, and uh, uh, his review is excellent, folks. Go out there, check it out. Yeah, please. If you have not seen The Irishman, I know we probably spoiled a lot for you, but believe me when I tell you, even if you know how this all shakes out, it's still worth the effort and still very much worth the time, despite of what you might hear. This one is worth it, folks. Definitely check it out. It's still on Netflix. I don't know if it's still playing in some select theaters throughout the country. If you don't have Netflix, check your listings. It might be a good one to go and to actually see in the movie theater on the big screen. Actually, could be a pretty cool concept. On behalf of myself, Mike DeBate, I also uh, thank you on behalf of my good friend Thomas Murphy. This is the Shea Bippy Mob Pod. We look forward to always doing this. It is a podcast you can't refuse. And now the bar's <laughs> back open. Now you can leave. And please watch for us on Twitter. I'm M D A B A T E F T C. Uh, Murph is at T Murph 207. Steve, uh, your uh, Twitter handle is at CV7. Correct me if I'm wrong, my friend. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve B at. Uh... Set, uh, at Steve B seven SFG, absolutely <laughs> and definitely. I could not recommend a Twitter follow high enough. I don't even know the Twitter handle because he's already ingrained in my brain, folks, and he should be in yours right. as well. <laughs> On behalf of Murph, Steve, and myself, thank you for visiting Shea Bippy today. Have a great day, everyone. Now you can leave. <laughs> I hear you paint houses. <laughs>
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.